Um, if you are a kid, I'd love you to come up. I'd love you to get a better seat for this part. So please come up and have a seat right up here with me. Um, they're right on the ground. Come on up. Come on up. It is a special fifth Sunday, so we get to do a little cooking with Drew. And today we're going on a field trip. You guys ready for this? If you guys want to come up with me. All right. We're going on a field trip. Any guesses where we're going to go today? Uh, Candyland. 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 Where'd you say? To the North Pole, is that what you said? No, no, to the park. Oh, to the park. Yeah, what do you think, Jack? Um, to, um, He's thinking. The place where Jesus was born. The place where Jesus was born. Like, in the manger, like, we're all going to go in that. Yeah, do you have a thought, too? Where do you think? In the Bethlehem. Bethlehem. That's the town. Bethlehem? We're not going to Bethlehem. That'd be a good idea, though, wouldn't it? For a pastor to take us to Bethlehem. We're going to go somewhere else. Are you ready? I'm going to take you there right now. Close your eyes real tight. And imagine us swirling through a magical warp zone. Open your eyes. We're at my grandma's house. Any of you ever been to my grandma's house? This is not actually my grandma's house. This is what comes up if you Google grandma's house. Um, pretty... It feels like a grandma's house, though, doesn't it? We've got our friend Aaron's always peeking in. We don't let him in, though, do we? No. He's always, he's always there, though. We're at my grandma's house because I want to tell you a quick story about my grandma's house. Um, and when I would go to my grandma's house, it was way up north in the woods. She lived outside of Rhinelander, Wisconsin. Anyone ever go there? Ooh, I got a couple of for that. When I was little, I lived far, far, far away in a land called Tennessee. And we would every once in a while come up and see my grandma. And it felt so far away, but it felt so cool because we were up in the woods. And they lived in a little bitty lake. And the lake wasn't really for kids to swim in. It was really for grandpas to fish in. And so the lake, when you swam in it, it was like mucky and stuff touched your feet. I know. And my grandpa would tell us stories about giant fish that would eat our feet. And so... If you could imagine, I was often very scared to go swimming there, understandably, right? And I was there once, one summer, and I was very, very nervous to go swimming. And other people were swimming, and I said, I can't do it, and I can't do it, I can't do it. And my grandma took me aside, and she said she's going to tell me a secret. And I love, can I pass this secret on to you guys? She said she has these special candies in this special candy dish. Do you guys know what a candy dish is? It's one of these like jar things that are at your grandma's house, maybe at your house, usually filled with candy. Sometimes you don't know how long the candy's been in there um, or if it's even okay to eat. Uh, <laughs> my grandma had a huge one of these glass candy jars and she opened it up and inside it almost glowed was the most magical candy. Have you ever seen these strawberry candies? They look like strawberries. They're not actually strawberries though. It fools you because that looks just like a real strawberry. It's just a candy that tastes like strawberries, and inside's magical juice. Uh, I believe it's strawberry flavored or somewhat close to that. We would, she handed me, so she opens the jar and she hands me one of these strawberry candies. Her jar was always filled with strawberry candies and like suckers and these things called um, butterscotch rounds or something like that. Uh, they were, it was awesome. And she said, if you eat this candy, it will give you the strength to swim and your fear will go away. Do you think it's true? No. Do you think a little thing of sugar does that? Yeah. Well, it's amazing. 
because actually I took my little strawberry candy and I walked down the hill with my grandma to their lake and I got on the dock and I could see the weeds in the water and I thought, I can't do it. It's going to touch my feet. And I'm sure there's like a shark in there, even though there wasn't. But my grandma said, no, no, take the candy. It'll make you strong and courageous. And I went, okay. So I unwrapped it and I ate it. It tasted so good. And it did give me strength. Is that weird? My grandma sat there in the dock with me when I jumped in the water and I swam and I swam and I swam and I didn't care that weeds touched my feet. Isn't that wild? Do you think the candy really gave me strength? No. Oh, why do you, what do you think maybe gave me strength? What? So you think maybe I just, I thought, you know what? The candy gives me strength, so now I feel like I have strength. Yeah, Rowan, do you have an idea? They put strong stuff in the candy? Oh, there's some strong stuff in the candy. Yeah. And that gave me the strength? Well, I, here's what, later in my life, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking of lots of moments because there was lots of moments at my grandma's house that I was scared to do things, or I was nervous, or I was feeling sad, and my grandma often would just open the candy jar, and I would eat a strawberry. I think it was the only place maybe in the world I ever ate these strawberry candies, and she would sit with me while I ate my strawberry candies, and I realized that every time that happened, it wasn't really the candy, but every time my grandma was always with me. So I kind of think, I wonder if my grandma being with me is actually maybe what gave me some of the courage to swim. Because she said, I'll, I won't leave the dock. And if a fish comes, I'll, I'll grab it. And I'd seen my grandma catch fish. And I thought, oh, she could handle a fish. And she said, if the weeds bother you, I'll handle it. And so the whole time, I felt safe because my grandma was there. And when I felt sad because maybe I missed my parents because I was with my grandma, she gave me the candy and she sat with me and I felt better. So later I realized it wasn't the candy. I think it was my grandma that maybe gave me the courage. Does that make sense? Anyone else have anyone like that in their life? That when you're with them, you just feel like safer. You feel like you can do things. You feel like they got your back. Yeah. Okay, I got one no. One of you doesn't, but hopefully everyone else does. Well, this reminds me of an amazing story. And this is what we're going to talk about today. Uh, is a story about real strength. Do you have, are you strong? You're just strolling in front of me here. Can everyone give me a strong, like a strong muscles? This is a story about someone in the Bible who we often talk about has really, really big strength. And today we're going to... Did you say Santa or did you say Samson? Samson. It is Samson, not Santa. Sorry, I heard that wrong. And Jesus. So I actually, instead of reading the story to you, I have a fantastic video of this story. Will you watch this with me? We're going to look at a story of where Samson's strength comes from. You ready for this? All right, you guys got the best seat in the house. Why don't you snuggle up here and let's watch the story of Samson and where his strength comes from. Samson's a cool story because Samson is a story about uh, a family that couldn't have a baby and an angel came and God gave them a baby. Have you heard a story like that before? An angel comes to someone and finds out she's going to have a child and that child is going to do great things to rescue people and save people and eventually defeat the enemy. That sounds a lot like the Jesus story, doesn't it? Except that Samson is, is a broken, flawed person, just like we are. But Jesus actually comes and doesn't just defeat the Philistines. Who does Jesus defeat? Sin. 
and death and Satan, who's like the great enemy. Incredible, he comes and defeats all them. This is the prayer Samson says. This is actually from the Bible in Judges 16. Uh, Samson prays this when he's tied up and, he's, and he feels like, I, I want to defeat these enemies. And you think there's nothing left. There's no way he has strength, right? There's no way he can actually do this on his own. And he says, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. So he prays to God, would you give me strength? And who gives him strength? God, right? So this story actually reminds me of my grandma, which maybe seems silly, but reminds me because Samson didn't really have the strength. God gave him the strength. Like we see over and over in the Bible, God's the one that's with his people, giving them strength. It's pretty incredible. Pretty incredible. Um, I'm going to send you back, but I could never send you back without passing along the great tradition of my family. So in honor of my grandma, whose name was Lenore. Any of you have a grandma named Lenore? Or friends named Lenore? I believe we have a Lenore here right in our church. Um, I brought some of my grandma's favorite candies. Would you take some of these to give to our friends too? Maybe uh, take a handful of these. Do not eat this until you're... To your mom or dad says you can, okay? Grab some, pass them out though, pass them out. I guarantee, I guarantee people out there right now, mouths are watering for a strawberry candy. Can you go offer these to people out there? I know Stan wants a strawberry candy. He just shook his head yes. Someone make sure Stan gets one of these. Look at this, you guys, good work. Pass on the love here. Do you wanna grab a few and bring them to your family? Just one? Okay, you can just take one. Yeah, forget your family, just take that sucker. All right, you want to see if anyone else needs one? Wonderful, thank you guys, good work. We got some wet boots up here, this is awesome. Anyone else need a strawberry candy? Someone needs one. Oh, we got in the back? Stan, did you steal that from her? How dare you? Oh, I'm gonna hit people with it. Anyone else, strawberry candy? There's no way, Colin. I'm for sure hitting someone Oh my goodness! You can get it afterwards, okay? <laughs> hey, will you take this whole thing? Will you give it to Miss Kelly for me? Can you give this to Miss Kelly? Oh, you just want a handful. All right. We also, I think I have a lot of these. I may have bought more than I realized. <laughs> Two pounds or something is more than you think. Uh-oh, uh-oh. It's one of those mornings here. All right, anyone else grow up with strawberry candies? Like, okay, I, I don't know why. I think there's so much connected to family that I can't not just, I'm not just tasting the strawberry. I'm, I'm really experiencing my grandma's little house in the lake um, up north. Hopefully, there are actually lots of those left and, uh, and uh, butterscotch discs, I believe, which is a very not appetizing way to call anything. Um, well, I'm excited you're here because this story, I'm excited to just unpack this a little bit more and be reminded it's such a great reminder as we move into a new year, a time when I know uh, whether or not you do this, maybe you make resolutions, maybe you say all oh, resolutions are silly, I'm just making plans or goals or whatever. This is a time here often we stop and say, what's the next year going to look like? What's 2024 going to look like for me? Um, what kind of goals do I have or what's something I'd like to change? It's a time that I, um, I don't maybe use the word strength, but I, 
uh, and talking about things that I want to grow in, areas that I would like to get better at, that I'd like to get more of a muscle in. Um, and so ultimately, the idea of gaining strength, um, going into battle against things, whether that for you maybe is uh, weight loss or actual strength, physical strength, or maybe uh, emotionally strength or, or battling something internally in that way. Uh, maybe it's a, a goal of being more skilled in an area. All those things, right, play into this idea of how do I become stronger? And it's an area, I, I'm not going to discourage you from that. I think it's a great opportunity to stop and say, hey, what's what does the next year look like? Maybe what does the last year look like? And what are areas I want to grow in or look different in? But I just want to encourage us today in not forgetting uh, maybe a foundation of that, um, really what that looks like. And the story after story in Scripture, we see the same thing happen. And so I just want to encourage us as for a few minutes here as we uh, move into our new year here, as it's our last day of 2023, and tomorrow we start this new year um, so we've been in this series. It's like kind of our last week in this. The next few weeks, we're going to take some time, uh, just some vision weeks to remember who we are as Hope Heights uh, and hopefully even get excited about what could be and pray for what could be in the next year. And this is actually a great transition. This really kind of moves us into where we want to be. The last few weeks, we've looked at people who were born and how their stories and their lives really point us to the greater uh, life. And so we looked at Cain and Abel, the first, um, these sons who were born to Adam and Eve born into sin, into brokenness, and we see it right out of the gates uh, as Cain kills his brother, a son who brings death uh, into the world, and we continue to see that cycle. And then we see the birth of a son uh, through Abraham uh, and Sarah in Isaac, who uh, we see this picture of a sacrifice uh, that's willing to be made. Uh, and then we later see that play out as we see uh, Mary here consoles Eve and says, my son, will come instead of bringing death, will actually put an end to death. Uh, and Mary comes and is uh, joyfully celebrated by Elizabeth as he says, my son uh, is coming to be the ultimate sacrifice who will end sin and death. And so we get a picture here in, in just a few weeks of looking at births and pointing to Jesus' birth and how sweet it is that we're reminded of the great love our God has as he actually came to be with us. And today we're going to look at what that means. If God is actually with us, what is that? And so we started with the story of Samson, actually a story that's really interesting. It's one that um, I first uh, really dug into in a class that I was taking where we were looking at stories in the Old Testament and trying to see how they showed us a picture or a shadow of what the, the gospel is, what Jesus' story is. And I did not know at that point that Samson was, had like a miraculous birth. The Samson has all these moments in his life that he's actually sold ultimately for some coins. His life is taken from him. Um, it's, it's a wild story that's so close to Jesus' story. And in the end, he actually takes his own life in order to take out the enemy. Now, he's obviously, as we saw in the video, broken and uh, has, made some, has sinned and made some really poor choices. But we see this perfect picture in Jesus as he comes, his miraculous birth. He's willing to, to end his life, to end the, the reign of the ultimate enemy and sin and Satan and death. But we see this same thing play out all over. This is the story, really. One of the main threads that we see in Scripture is that God calls his people to things, and they do move after things, and they do uh, go to battle things, and to fight things, and to protect things. But in all of those stories, over and over, we hear this good news that God is with them. Think of the story of David and Goliath. This is the moment when Goliath and David stand head to head, and the Philistine, Goliath, 
with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was little uh, more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. And he says this to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by, uh, by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. Kind of understandable. He looks at David and he goes, you're like a boy. I'm a giant, a, a warrior. I'm so strong. You're so little. This is silly. And he says, in my strength, I will defeat you. Now look at how David responds to him. This is what we see over and over as we look at the great warriors and the strong as we see in our history in Scripture. David says to him, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know there is a God in Israel. And all those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. David says, it's great that you have great big spears and you're strong, but you don't understand how strong God is. And so even before this, as David is, uh, when they're asking who's going to defeat Goliath, David steps up and he doesn't step up and say, hey, I'm really strong. I'm really quick. I'm really good. I got this. He doesn't give like a pep talk before a football game. We got this. I want this. He says, God has, God has through me given me strength to take out lions and animals and do things I could never do. And I know God could do this as well. He says the same thing to Goliath. And we know in that story, that's what happens. Even another moment that we see God uh, being with his people and his strength being reminded of them is a moment at the, in Nehemiah. In the book of Nehemiah, we hear this story of God's people being exiled. They're far away. They've been sent really away uh, from God's home. They're, no, they're like homeless, essentially. And God puts it on Nehemiah's heart to come and rebuild the walls to protect the city and, and really build a home again for God's people so they can have a place they could be together. Essentially, Nehemiah is coming to rebuild the family home so the family can come back together. And they do. It's incredible. And when they get together, it's been a long time since they heard the law of God, who God was and what he's done. And they finally hear it again and they begin to weep. They're sad because they realize, wow, we have gone far from our God. It'd be like if you came home for the holidays and you sat with your family and maybe you had a moment where you went like, wow, I really miss being with my family. And maybe I often talk poorly about them or or don't think very highly of them or think, I didn't want to be here, but you may have a moment where you go, gosh, this is good. Well, they have a moment where they realize we have been far from God and they begin to weep as they hear the law of God over them. They realize that they're sinful and they go, we are broken and sinful. What will we ever do? And then in Nehemiah 8, we hear, this, is the, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep for all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. That might be a phrase you've even heard or you've seen on a wall in someone's house. The joy of the Lord is your strength. That comes in a moment when you're weeping over brokenness and in that moment, I might go, I got to make better plans to stop sinning. I got to, I mean, I, it's kind of sit in this broken, sad, I wish I didn't do all of this, these things I had done. 
And this is a moment where God has brought his people back together in an incredibly miraculous way. And he's with his people. And, they, and Nehemiah says, we should celebrate we're with God. And your strength doesn't come because you came and did all the right things. It comes because you're with God who brings you joy. And then we see this ultimately, right, play out as we've said in the moment of the Christmas story. God himself actually comes, not just his spirit with Samson and giving strength to David, defeating giants, giving joy to people who are weeping over their sin, but he comes in person in a manger to defeat the ultimate enemy. He says, I actually am going to come because none of you are going to be able to. You haven't been able to and you won't be able to. I'm going to put an end to this death and sin and eventually one day put an end to all this suffering. And he's born as a baby. It's so cool because you'd think he'd be born as a big, strong Goliath. Instead, he's born as this small, weak uh, person who has this great, great strength in him. It's a moment where this great warrior is born. Uh, and as uh, C.S. Lewis and, and G.K. Chesterton, some I've been reading some uh, Christmas devotionals by them, and I've been really encouraged. And one of the things that comes back over and over is they talk about this moment as a moment of God coming to declare war and finally putting an end to this battle we've been in. C.S. Lewis says, Christianity is the story of how the rightful king has landed. You might say landed in disguise and is calling us to take part in a great campaign of sabotage. Isn't that great, that picture? This isn't just a sweet little baby. This is war and the king has landed and he's about to take out the enemy. He has no idea what is to come. G.K. Chesterton writes about how, uh, he writes this uh, short essay about how this moment is like a cave and like an army ready to do battle in its headquarters in the cave uh, at Christmas time as we see the child in his manger and in a cave with his mom and dad. It's not only true that such a subterranean chamber was a hiding place from enemies, but that the enemies were already scouring the stony plain that lay above it like a sky. It is not only that the very horse hooves of Herod might in that sense have passed like thunder over the sunken head of Jesus. I'm just thinking of the scene in Lord of the Rings. Remember this when they're like hiding under that tree and the demon horses are riding over them? No one else? I do. I think of that. <laughs> The, the enemy is like around the cave. You hear the horse hooves. It's ready over the sunken head of Jesus. It's also that there is in that image a true image of an outpost, of a piercing through the rock, of an entrance into enemy territory. There is in this buried divinity an idea of undermining the world, of shaking the towers and palaces from below, even as Herod the great king felt that earthquake under him and swayed with his swaying palace. You feel that as Jesus is born, as God comes and is with us, it's like the earth starts to tremble, realizing the king has come and he's about to take out the enemy, the one none of us could. And Jesus does. He comes and he shows that he has power and strength over things none of us could have dreamed of having power over. He comes and casts demons, showing his power over people's spiritual lives. He actually pushes them out into pigs who dive into uh, the ocean. He comes and walks on water. He calms water. In a moment, he says, quiet, and a sea goes quiet. Nothing, absolutely nothing we could do. Pictures of how he will eventually calm our hearts and bring peace and eventually 
quiet sin and Satan in our lives. Uh, a picture of how we one day can now, after his death and resurrection, say to sin and temptation, sorry, you have no place here. Sin yells at us like Goliath. Hey, you, you, you small little boy with your slingshot, good luck. And we could say, oh, it has nothing to do with this slingshot. It has everything to do with the power of God and he has overcome you. And so our God born in that little manger comes and in a way very unexpected dies on a cross. I'm sure in that moment, I picture Satan celebrating the demons partying and almost in a moment, Satan, one of his servants runs into the party to whisper in his ear. It's that moment in a movie when, when the bad guy hears the bad news that the good guy actually is still alive. And he goes, oh no. And it, and it changes the party and it quiets the party because he realizes Jesus isn't dead, but in fact alive and has risen and rescued us. This is this incredible warrior we have. And not because we are strong, because he is so so strong. It's a picture we see throughout all of scripture and many, many stories of God parting waters, of God resurrecting from the dead, of God rescuing people from prisons, of earthquakes, and of whales vomiting people out, of, of floods and people being rescued in, in ways that could never happen. And ultimately the snake being destroyed and our God being so big and so powerful and with us. It's this incredible story. Uh, there's many ways we see this, but for me, it's, I, I think of this often because as I move into the new year, I think, Drew, you got to figure out how to be bigger and better and stronger. And you got it. This is your year. You got it. And I think, I don't think I got it, but I, maybe. And so this passage in 2 Corinthians is one that I think we can walk into the year thinking about here as we uh, move towards the end of this time here. In 2 Corinthians, we hear this. Paul is sharing about his weakness, the thorn in his flesh. And he says, uh, God has come to me and said, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. So in fact, in your weakness, I'm made perfect. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. This is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and in insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, I am strong. This is what the Christian life looks like. It looks like a life where we say, I'm broken and weak, and God is the one who can strengthen me. So I don't, say, don't, don't cancel your plans for the year, but we got to start our hearts in a place where we go, I don't really know what I'm doing, and I want to pray a prayer like Samson, like David. I want to pray a prayer that goes, God, I know you have come to rescue us. You put an end to Satan's power and sin's power, and I walk into this year not trying to muster up enough strength or strategy to, to defeat sin, but instead going in knowing that God has got my back. Let me share really quick. This is how it plays out for me. So I've been showing all these, actually a lot, we show these really, really cool uh, images. Like these, these are all done by the same artist, the guy I really respect. And the more and more I know about him, the more I wish I was him. And so on a day like today, my plans start being, Drew, you got to become a, a cooler artist. There's got to be a way you can be, have a cooler life. And so this is Don and Ryan Clark. They're brothers. Um, they're artists and musicians. They're the brothers who started the band Demon Hunter. Anyone fans of Demon Hunter? They go way back. Uh, I love it. I love this. is so ridiculous. I couldn't. 
never be in this band. Maybe in the photo for this band, but I could never be in this band. These guys create lots of cool stuff. Uh, one of Don's big projects here is creating this, uh, the great, the Bible storybook here that has these beautiful images. Uh, they, they live in Washington. They converted this barn into like the coolest studio workshop ever, um, which I'm, I just wish I could have this cool place. They take photos where they're never happy, which just, they look so cool. Everything in there has cool little toys and they collect like antique cool toys and just fun artsy things. They have like the coolest workspace in there. Look at this. What a fun place to design and create and grow. He has the coolest desk ever with toys. Half of these he's designed and created. This guy's worked with tons of companies. You've actually seen his work probably uh, just out and about. He's had the, uh, he just finished creating a golden book version of the Incredibles in his style of artwork. Uh, he designed stamps that are being used. Uh, this is like, as a graphic designer and artist, how cool it'd be to see your artwork all over the place. He's actually designed some of Target's uh, gift cards. Maybe one of you even received one of these. He designed recently, they had this cool dragon Lego scene at Target's. I don't know if anyone saw this when it was there. That was him. Don made that. He's designed posters for NASA uh, and many things. He does tons of album covers. So some of the Foo Fighters album covers are his work. Uh, Lecrae's albums are his work. He decided to start dabbling in, in uh, watch design. Why not? How cool is that? He designs all sorts of cool things, even murals. Uh, people call him and say, hey, make a giant cool mural for our movie theater. And he does. It, it's all over the place. And the more I look at his work, the more I'm encouraged by him and and then at the same time, inside of me, I say, I wish I was Don Clark. I wish I was sitting there on his couch with him. And I wish we were designing stuff, just kicking it in my cool. I'm smiling too much to be <laughs> that good of an artist. But in real time, in real life, I um, was on his website recently looking at his work because I'm just encouraged by it and also seeing new stuff as he's making these great videos for teaching us about the Bible. And he has this cool hat on there. Invisible Creatures is the name of their design uh, company. He has this cool hat on there and I was like, oh, I really like this hat. It just looks cool. And something of, it'd be cool to have something of his because he's an artist I look up to. And then I start thinking, man, I should start designing hats. Maybe I should make a plan for the year to be more like Don Clark. And so I start thinking, um, maybe I can do that. Maybe I could take some online classes to hone some of my little bit of design skills I have. Maybe I could start a, a metal band with some friends. Maybe I, I should start getting in this, like what could be things this year I could do to get better and be better and be like him. And then it starts creeping from, I admire him and I have some things I wanna to do to this Drew, if you could just be more like Don, everything will be okay. And when you start, when that starts becoming the phrase, if you just get here, everything will be okay, is real close to, if you just do this, this will save you, Drew. And it's wild, right? I'm ordering this hat and I say, weird, there's like a Latin phrase on there. And uh, I should probably know what that says if I'm gonna wear this, because I, <laughs> I don't wanna wear something. And then I, uh, this turns into actually learning about some things he's written as an artist. And, and that that phrase means is it means art cannot save. And he specifically talks about this because he says in the world of art and creating things, sometimes I believe 
that if I create the coolest thing, I can save everybody. And if I create just the right music, I can be the one who rescues everything and everything will be okay if I make the right art. And so he, he thought, well, I'll throw it on a hat that art actually doesn't save. I thought, what a sneaky thing to do on good art. <laughs> say, you think, it's not going to save you, good try. And I thought, what a way to start my year. To be reminded that I could work hard to be a better artist, to be a better musician, to admire these things more, but they're not going to save me. Because I skipped this step of remembering that God's the one who defeated Goliath. God's the one who took out the Philistines uh, with Samson. God's the one who came to earth to be with us, to save us. And so as we move into our year, I just want to remind you that art cannot save you. That your family actually can't save you, no matter how well it gets organized, no matter how good your family charts are, no matter how good your chore charts are, no matter how nice you are together, your family cannot save you, your health cannot save you. We want to be healthy. Go be healthy. Work hard. Get good routines. Care for the body God's given you, but this will not save you as well as food. Whether it's eating really healthy food or maybe eating lots of not healthy food, neither will save you. Your wealth cannot save you. Your friends cannot save you. Your job or maybe that new job you hope this year will not save you. Find a new job that fits well, the team you love. But when it crosses, just if I just have this, everything will be okay. It does not save you. Your pets won't save you. No matter how cute your dog is, even if you had a dog as cute as my dog, even Frank cannot save you. If you hang out with Frank, you're aware Frank doesn't save you. But from pictures, serving cannot save you. No matter how much you plan to help and care for others, it's not going to save you. It's incredible, and God's called you that, but we're skipping this step. At the foundation, God has come to rescue us. Control cannot save you. A better calendar can't save you. I am so good at buying another app that's supposed to be the better calendar app and the better to-do list app because it promises it, and then I realize it's the same app but with different colors. And church can't save us. You can come every single week and be faithfully here, faithfully serving here, faithfully in a small group. And that isn't what rescues us. We're actually here to remind each other the person who does rescue us. It's not you. It's Jesus. And actually, he's already saved us. It's done. You move into the year 2024 with the incredibly good news that Christ has already come, is already with you, has already saved us. And he's actually coming back and he's going to make all this stuff right. And many of the things on my list, I'm trying to make right, forgetting that he will come back and make it right. So as we wrap up our time, I'm going to invite our worship team up here so we can just worship that king more. I want to remind us of the great commission he's given us. And so actually, as you look at your year, this could be a helpful thing to consider. He's actually given us our plan for 2024 and beyond. He says at the end here, he's risen from the dead and he comes to his disciples and he says to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. 
He gives us our mission, which is as we go throughout our life, we have the opportunity to share this good news that God has come and saved us. That's really good news. And there's actually a family being baptized. There's a family, a place for you to come home to. There's a God who loves you dearly in your weakness can make you strong. And as always, surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Always with us. This is what really changes it, right? I, I didn't swim in mucky Rhinelander water because I, I ate corn syrup. It was because my grandma was with me. This changes our year and we know God is with us and he's the one who brings us strength. Let me pray for us as we move into a time here of worship. We're going to sing together. There's going to be some opportunities here to do some things. We're going to opportunity to take communion if you'd like. You can go in the hallways. We have communion. That's actually a place to take something, eat something that essentially just reminds us that God is with us. That he's come to rescue us. We, aren't, we don't have strawberry candies for that. It's just classic crackers and grape, grape juice. We'd love for you to do that together. Even pray together with your family. Uh, we're going to sing together. We're going to have opportunities to pray. There'll be people in the back of the room who would love to pray for you and even pray for this next year. And you can always give online or there's a box out at the communion table. Let me um, just pray for us as we move into this time together to sing a little bit as we enter, as I enter time. Lord, thank you for your goodness, your kindness, that you came to be with us that you have the strength to, to do anything and to overcome anything. And that as we move into another year, you are with us. This, this isn't a year that I have to muster up enough strength and courage and strategy and smarts. This is a year that again, you are with me in my brokenness, using me to ultimately help more people know the good news that you've come to ultimately blessing me so I could be a blessing to others. Lord, I pray that we'd be those people. I pray you'd, uh, that good news would bring great peace and joy in us as we move into another year. We pray this in your good name. Amen.